0: FYI, a project designed to capture stories of personal experiences and life lessons for the young and impressionable your hosts are matthew berry amy berry smith and jessica berry woodward join us in a series of interesting interviews of family members and friends we hope you'll enjoy learning a few things about the berry family
1: Jessica Barry Woodward and I'm here with Bob Barry in Moon Township. And today's topic for Barry.fyi is books and literature. Well. You are a voracious reader. Yes. You've read something like 50% of the books at the Monroeville Public Library. What is your favorite genre?
0: Boy I like everything so that's not much of a help. I read all kinds of stuff. I grab any book on the shelf and read it Only frontwards. I don't usually read them backwards.
1: We, in fact, well, Matt, reached out to the Monroeville Library to see if they had a record of how many books you had checked out over the years. Uh And unfortunately, they don't, because I think it's only been recently digitized. But the librarian did remember you, which I thought was interesting, since you haven't lived there since four years or so. But they still remember you there. And she said she did remember sometimes helping you find certain things. Did they ever set books aside for you, or did you ask them to save new things for you when they came in?
0: Uh, Yes, there was the county system. The county owns all the libraries, including the Monroeville Library and the Swickley Library and the Moon Township Library. And the county has an online mechanism for ordering books, requesting books not yet purchased. And if they agree to purchase the book, then you wind up automatically first in line Mm. for an an on-hold book. Or, of course, you can reserve books and hold books and order books from other libraries. So it's a pretty good system. And the Carnegie system buys hundreds of of, uh, copies of a bestseller and lots and lots of copies of other things. In addition to that, I have access to the Pitt University Libraries. So if I'm looking for an obscure book on mathematics, for instance, I can get it from the math library at the university, which I've done from time to time. And you can, if you if you twist their arms, they'll borrow books from other places. I do recall when I was working for Penn State, I was looking for a copy of um, uh, old, what's his name, who came here from France in 1835 to uh, to study how American systems work. What was his name? Anyway, it turns out that the Penn State had a first edition. Wow! So I said, "I want that," and they said, "No." <laughs> that was the end of that.
1: Oh, did you not have status for it or something? No, or?
0: I could have one of the other copies. I just oh, couldn't have, have, have the first edition, edition. copy. Oh, yes.
1: well, that sounds like some light reading. So, were you an avid reader like you are now when you were growing up?
0: Yes, always an avid reader. Although in those days, the easiest thing to do was read a classics, comics. You remember classics comics? I only read Archie comic books. Well, Archie <laughs> were more profound, but classic comics were the, the idea was you take a classic book, and like one of the Dickens stories, and make a comic book out of it. So it was very easy to read, but it actually told the story. So it was a an honest way to read the book. or beat the heck out of reading 500 pages of Dickens.
1: Oh, like an old-fashioned cliff note.
0: The idea is the same, yeah. <laughs>
1: So were you ever called a bookworm or accused of being a nerd when you were young?
0: The word nerd was not in (laughs) vogue. Okay. Bookworm, uh, I don't know, maybe.
1: (laughs) Did your whole family read a lot? Percy and Rusty and Gary? And I know Gary still reads a lot now.
0: Yes, uh, all of those, all of those.
1: So you often read entire books in one sitting, more often than not lying on the floor. We've noticed and your practice was to read it end-to-end in one pass. You managed to absorb all of it without going back in multiple passes as others are taught to do. How did you develop that technique?
0: Uh, Yes. Well, if you're reading a nonfiction book, you can get by, they're very highly structured, so you can read the first paragraph or the first line. If you know what it's about, you can skip that part. Nonfiction, I'm sorry, fiction on the other hand, the whole idea is to plant clues as you go along, so you have to actually glean as you go. Pay going. attention, yeah. Now, you may recall, Jessica, that you and I took the reading, speed reading course. Remember Evelyn that? Wood, yes. Evelyn Wood. Yeah. And that worked for a while. But then my eyesight started to go, so that wasn't so good without eyesight. Mm. Not that my eyesight's bad, it's just not as good as it used to be.
1: Yeah. So, over the years, you've read a few thousand books. Sure. What are some of your favorites, or do you have some favorite authors?
0: Favorite authors, sure—Kipling, uh, Omar Khayyam, uh, Service. You know the uh, belt of Blasphemousville Bill, and the cremation of Sam McGee, and. i those sorry, those.
1: not not familiar with those.
0: Oh, they're really great. <laughs> Strange things done in the midnight sun by the men oil for gold. The Arctic tales have history Tales. trails. That would make your blood run cold. The Arctic Nights have strange, strange sights, but the queerest they ever did see was the night on the marge of Lake Labarge. I cremated Sam McGee.
1: I think I'll have to go to my library and look that one up. <laughs> have you read some of those books multiple times? Or yes. is there a book that you've read the most, you think?
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Which one did I read the most? Well, that's a question. But yes, all those, the ones I like, I've read more than once, sure. I think the best real book to sit down and read, ever read, was uh, Gone with the Wind.
1: Really? That's interesting. Just Why do you a, think that captivated you?
0: It's just a good story, well written, and it, even though it's really thick, mm-hmm. what, 1,500 pages maybe altogether. At the end of it, you'd say, gee, I wish there was another volume. Oh. Don't feel that way too much. Now, the best writer in modern time, of course, is moi.
1: <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to that. So your interest in reading moved on to um, writing some of your own. You picked up, let's see, what did he say? Somewhere along the way, you took up an interest in Trendy Six Sigma and quality control movements from a management standpoint. Was there a thread that developed from consulting business or some other activity?
0: Um, yes, exactly. You know. In the 1990s, I was consulting in telecommunications. And in the 1990s, towards the end, we had the dot-com collapse. And there simply wasn't any business, even in telephone or anything else. You're just gone. So I cast gaze upon the horizon and said, where is there some money? And the answer was healthcare. Mm-hmm. So I said, how do I get established in healthcare, care since I have no credentials at all? And the answer is, make some up. And how do you make some up? I decided to write books on what amounts to industrial engineering, process control, process improvement, send the person home alive rather than dead, that sort of thing. And to do that, I uh, wrote first one book and then some more. So there are two co-authors. One was Amy, who actually knows something about it. And the second one was Cliff Brubaker, who was dean of one of the schools at Pitt. And he was a friend. And I figured dean, uh, Cliff, would, being a dean, and who had published books before himself, would know how to get it published. Turns out he did not. So we had to work on that for a while. But eventually we got published by the very best, best publisher, Health Administration Press. And the first book was sold. Uh, it continued to sell for more than 15 years. And now I have a second edition. In fact, the publisher refused to take a second edition until the first one ran its course. So it's only in the last couple of years that we, they wanted a second edition. Meanwhile, uh, we did a bunch more. In 2006 or 7, we said, we're ready for a second edition. And they said, we don't want that, but give us a book on lean, whatever that is. I said, okay. So we wrote a book on lean. Lean means getting by with less supply, less waste, uh, less time, less material. It's so. Uh, You want that? We got that. This kind of engineering uh, is natural to me in the sense that I built systems that were highly reliable, much more reliable than anything that that, um, hospitals can deliver at all, completely beyond reach. But uh, that's the way one builds expensive equipment like nuclear power plants. You really want to put in plenty of equipment and not spare the expense so that if something might go wrong, it's capped off some way so no no damage is done, so you put in lots lots of extra equipment, lots of supplies, so you apply that same logic to healthcare, and you can you can apply some rules that can be applied so then I said, Gee, if you really want I know by management books if you write a management book, somebody reads the first chapter, and that's about it. So if you really want to have an impact, you have to have a book people want to read. What's that? Well, it's not a management book. But it might be a murder mystery. Yep. And the people of, of interest, the target audience who actually have some impact, are nurses who are supervisors and they don't have any time. So it really became important to write an interesting murder mystery that still teaches a few things. And that became the NAN series, the NAN The Six Sigma Mystery. So that was uh, picked up by the American Society for Quality, of all things. And they published the first two books. And I'm now doing the third book uh, as a straight Kindle book. It's called Nan Takes Home.
1: What have you enjoyed writing more, the fiction or nonfiction?
0: Um, nonfiction is easier because, uh, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. Fiction's much easier because you can make time go forwards or backwards. You can make things happen and have them not happen. You can erase, you can back up, you can change the story, you can twist and turn. You don't really have to account for all of the factors. You can just make a story. And that's more fun. On the other it's hand...
1: Sometimes more fun to read.
0: Well, one hopes. <laughs> so, one, one hopes. The, uh, we offered NAN first to the same publisher, Health Administration Press, and the acquisitions editor who reads books all day long, and people send their manuscripts, My name is Marcy. Marcy said that she was reading my books when she wrote the L. This she's in Chicago. She'd ride the L back and forth to work reading my books. This is a woman who wrote books all day long. So she offered it up to the board as with a high recommendation and the board said, no, we don't want to do fiction. So Marcy called me up in tears and said that the book, they wouldn't uh, publish the book but they would buy the first 50 copies from any publisher we could find. Well, our co-publisher on the original books, the business books, was the Quality Press in Milwaukee, the American Society for Quality. So I called them up and they took it. They don't mind publishing nonfiction. So they've been the publisher there. And that book has gotten international copy, international edits, editions. um, And it's sold for years and years and years and years. It's very highly touted. It's the only one of the books that's ever been reviewed, not just as a straight book reviewer thing, but for character development, plot, dynamic, and all of those things that other books didn't get reviewed for. There's not a whole lot of plot in a management book.
1: Don't forget the jokes. (laughs) Right. The corny references. Okay. So, curiously, you never kept many books at home. I know you had your classic collection in our living room for years. Um, But the question is, like a good engineer, did you just memorize where to find it if you needed to retrieve something?
0: Yes, but when we sold up the house in Monroeville, there were over a thousand books in it. Really? Yeah. (laughs) They had books in six languages.
1: Where'd you have them hidden?
0: No, they were stacked up in the closets and over there and up in the attic. The the decorative books, the ones that were boxed, the collector's editions were on bookshelves and the in the rooms, but uh, the other ones were just elsewhere.
1: Okay, so I guess we'll strike that question then.
0: Mm. (laughs) That's a very good question. But your point was right. I I didn't usually buy a book that I could uh, get from the library. After all, who would?
1: Yeah, it's a great system, Ben Franklin to thank. Mm -hmm. So today, what is your preferred format? Do you still prefer a hard-bound library book or do you read on a kindle or on the computer what's your preferred format
0: well i do read kindle books but really i still like to hold a book that's a physical book in my hands and that's limiting because it's just static right so a kindle book you can change or you can Mm -hmm. have multiple endings you can be creative but still i'm old-fashioned enough that i think a book is something you have in your hand
1: what do you think the future of libraries is
0: uh, I think there'll be a market for physical books for a long time to come. But even today, you, the libraries all have uh, mechanisms for, uh, you know, like the county libraries have their own way of getting electronic books you can yes. rent. Mm-hmm.
1: How many periodicals do you think you read or newspapers do you read on a monthly basis?
0: I read, um, I eyeball three or four a day but usually i for news i use the uh, uh, twitter and dutch report and that sort of thing rather than insta pundit rather than uh, reading the articles but they all relink to articles so they do your scanning for you
1: Ah, okay so you're in a book club now in your neighborhood do you enjoy it
0: it's pretty good it's an occasion to sit down with some neighbors on a non-confrontational basis and just talk about books we have a mixed group we have about as many men as women we take turns and uh, we don't have a fixed set of categories but over the years we've done about a thousand books now even before i came to the neighborhood The, the book club goes back to the first people who moved in here and they've done about a thousand books and we keep track and there are quite a few that are history uh, some are fiction, a few are non-fiction, a few are semi-fiction. So we cover a wide range. Now, quite a few of the people who belong to this book club belong to other book clubs too. So occasionally we get uh, second-hand choices or recommendations. Mm-hmm. Often it's just somebody who brings a book they like.
1: Mm-hmm. So the one thing I've enjoyed from my book club in my neighborhood is that it forces me, if you will, to read books or genres that I might not normally pick up. Have you found that as yes, well? Absolutely. And then I'm glad that I've read it afterwards,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly the same experience. And uh, usually the discussion we have uh, when we have, let's say ten people show up, six or seven will have read most of the book. A couple will not have read the book at all, but it doesn't matter. we talk about it anyway mm-hmm. and, and we usually the, we have a discussion leader the discussion leader usually has a list of questions to pose. In fact, you can get those on, online for almost mm-hmm. any book. So they get through about one question, and then we take off in some other direction. So, But it's a pretty good discussion. Everybody has something to say. And we do this at 7 o'clock in the evening once a month, and everybody brings a, a plate of something, cookies or a cheese dip or something. And it's my only high-cal hobby because <laughs> you can sit there and eat five desserts, and nobody says anything at all. <laughs>
1: So all three of your children are also avid readers. How do you think that was instilled?
0: I think they got there from their mother, Sandy, who was a diligent reader. Maybe from me. I probably put them off.
1: (laughs) So in closing, do you have any advice for our children to make sure that they can continue to read and why it's important?
0: The important thing for children is that they see you read. Because you're their role model for their first 25 years. So they have to do what you do. So if you tear books up and stomp on them, they will do the same thing. <laughs> if you scribble in your books with crayons, which you probably still do, they probably will too.
1: It's a highlighter once in a while. Does that count oh, no, as a crayon? A highlighter,
0: yes. It sounds like a crayon to me.
1: <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else to add?
0: Can't go wrong with Kipling.
1: Okay. We'll add that to our list. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Barry.FYI. If you'd like to share your stories, please give us a call. We'd love to have your life lessons and your participation. My mind. Memories sweeten through the ages just like wine. Quiet thoughts come floating down and settle.